Welcome back to the New Wave Nerds. I am your host, Brennan Sem. Joining me this week is going to be not Shade, but it's actually going to be my father. How are you doing today, Dad? Yeah, hello. Doing good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. <laughs> this week, um, we are going to be discussing the third season of The Mandalorian because it finally finished, so I was finally able to watch it. So let's see. Non-spoiler review. What were your thoughts? Oh, I'm all in on The Mandalorian. I mean, I'm all in on Star Wars. You know, e- even um, some of the ones that are less than less than exciting, I've been... Um, a Star Wars fan for years. And of course, uh, taking the, uh, the enigmatic or the, uh, you know, just the, the Boba Fett character, right. And taking that and just building this whole community around it basically is the way I look at it. I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but you know, that just, that kind of thing. I, I just remember Boba Fett and wondering what that armor was, you know, what that look was, you know, and, and stuff. And, the fact that they've taken and built this whole community around him, um, I'm all in on it. And I, I love the fact that this season, it had some, it had some times that I wasn't overly excited about <laughs> it. Uh, but it, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that it pulled a lot of that all together, you know, from the stuff that we've seen and the Filoni stuff that he's been doing lately, you know, even with the Clone Wars and building it out from that. And it pulled all that together into a... Uh, what I thought was a good uh, Mandalorian story, not just about the Mandalorian, but about, you know, the Mandalore, all that stuff. Yeah, all, the culture. all that lore, culture, stuff like that. Yeah, I really liked it. So, Yeah, I um, I agree. I mean, I uh, I don't know if I've actually said this on an episode or if I just said it to Shade, but I, I'm not, you know, too particularly crazy on Boba Fett. I was never super interested in him, um, but... You know, the Mandalorian, the various Mandalorian episodes in the Clone Wars are like some of my favorites, you know, so I love being able to see like how that story, how how that civilization has evolved since, you know, I think the earliest episode was like season two of the Clone Wars. So since like 2009, Um, as for this episode of the series, I will say holding it against regular television i would say it's probably above average um but compared to the first two seasons for me it's it's subpar um which what i mean i loved the story um but there were just a few moments well like like you mentioned there were some things where i was just like this is ridiculous like i can't get into this um this is not (laughs) this is not the way i like it but the season overall, I really liked that this one felt like it had much more of a consistent story. Whereas the first two seasons, obviously there's an overarching tale, an overarching quest, but each episode is sort of monster of the week. Um, but I really, I liked that it seemed like every episode, uh, ex- for, except for one exception, had seemed to have one clear goal and it was always relatively a a similar goal at least right right and you know before we get into uh talking about season three specifically you know the first season of mandalorian now towards the end of course they had a few episodes that were pretty tied together but before that like you said it was a you know a, a, a monster of the week that kind of thing it was based off of you know they wanted to bring the old western feel into it they had the westerns they had the um, the, you know, the old samurai stories and that sort of thing that they were adapting for, um, uh, you know, for star Wars, which is what they wanted to do. Right. And they wanted to build a show around that. And of course it was also, now I, I personally am not a huge anime fan, but I have heard that there are a ton of, um, you know, references or, or, uh, it's related very closely or the storyline is very similar to lone wolf and cub. I don't know if you've heard that one, uh, but it is that story of a, a you know, a, a father figure saving a young individual. Right. Mm. And that sort of thing. And then they, they travel around together and that's what they're doing. The first couple seasons, I think did that more than this season. This season felt like it was a story. Now I do have to agree Again, before we start talking about this story or this season, we got to talk about the, you know, the elephant in the room, the Book of Boba Fett season. Yes. Which yes. is, you know, we've discussed it, 
not on the podcast, but we've discussed it lots of times. There were some pretty Mandalorian heavy things in this, what was supposed to be just a little side thing. Right. right? And the fact that they had that whole episode, and I know that that's how they're bringing in our, our din, our, our Mandalorian into the book of Boba Fett at the end so he can help out Boba Fett. But um, to me, it kind of felt like those were some pretty serious things that just made the book of Boba Fett be, you know, season 2.5 of Mandalorian. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I'm not, you know, opposed to Mando being in book of Boba Fett on principle, but I agree. It was weird that these were heavy story beats just buried in episode six or whatever of of the book of Boba Fett. Like it's it explains, you know, obviously everything for, for this one season in like an episode and it, it, it just seemed really out of place in right. Boba Fett. And you know, I I now I do have to say that I think that though I mean that main Mandalorian episode on Book of Boba Fett made Book of Boba Fett a lot better. Yeah, it was it was the best episode <laughs> I mean, of the season. <laughs> when they when they started up the episode and you got the Mandalorian song music in the background, you knew that oh yeah, now it's gonna go you know, it, yeah. it just felt like a different show at that on that episode, which was awesome. Um now I will say, uh, you know, getting into season three, I heard on another podcast, and I don't know I you know, so I can attribute it to somebody else, but they had mentioned that um, Filoni actually did not do as much writing in season three of Mandalorian because he was spending more time on Ahsoka. Right. Which is his baby, you know. And oh, stuff, for sure. For sure. So, you know, I don't know if that hurt or hindered season three a little bit, or, you know, I, th- I still feel that you can kind of tell where Filoni was writing or, or driving things and where it went away from Filoni to be filler content, we could say. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <sighs> Yeah, I, I as a season as a whole, I thought it was it was pretty good. I can say that, uh, you know, my wife and and uh, who are not Star Wars experts by any means, they enjoyed the show as well. So I mean, it's getting that it's 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 working in that way as well. So. Yeah, I mean, it is without a doubt. I mean, even with the the third season that I think is not the best. It's like I said, I mean, it's still good, uh, but not the best. It is still one of the best TV shows that I've seen in like the last five years, you know, and it's certainly the second best Star Wars TV show. <laughs> it's, it's definitely, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put it behind Andor, of course, because, yeah. you know, we, we, we gushed about Andor enough, but um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, I, you know, I'd put it above if we think, if we compare it to its uh, siblings, you know, I'd put it above Obi-Wan, you know, even though Obi-Wan was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for all the things that it was, this I, I feel like this is working better. Something about the way the story structure is and that sort of thing. This show is working better in that way. So. I agree. Yeah, I, I yeah I loved Obi Wan, and I think part of that is just because like you know with this show they have so much more room to play with. Yeah. Where in Obi Wan it's obviously very constrained to a certain time period, and you have to follow certain rules because there's like a million things that happen after that. Whereas this, it's like. Sure, there's obviously stuff that are that is after this, but it's not related really in any way. Right. But why don't we just head into the spoiler section of the episode? So here's your warning from here on out. We will be talking about the episodes themselves. Okay. So this this is I would like to know how long this takes place after Book of Boba Fett. Because Book of Boba Fett takes place five years after Mando season two. Because that's how long Grogu was training with Luke. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they they did say that. Um, okay. I, I, in in an interview, not I, I, they didn't say that in the show, but um, yeah. Uh, so I would I would like to know <laughs> how long after Boba Fett this takes place because it doesn't exactly like I don't know like it's weird. The timeline's a little awkward. I don't feel like it's taking too long. He's got his new ship. You know, he's got the speedster or whatever that he did in Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, and Grogu has shown up, of course. You know, like we said, that's one of the things about Book of Boba Fett. If you didn't watch that, then all of a sudden Grogu's back after he walked away with Luke, right? Yeah. So, obviously, that's arguments for why Book of Boba Fett what is what it is. But to me, it seems like if we talk about... Um, you know, if we talk about Book of Boba Fett and Mando has his things where he goes to see the armor... And uh, John Favreau, you know, and, and has his little 
argument with them and gets booted out of things. Then he goes and helps um, Boba Fett. And then at, at that point, I think he's in, in my head canon, it's shortly after that, that he's coming back and saying, okay, I'm going to get it fixed. This is what I'm going to do. Right? Yeah, I would think so. Now, obviously, there must be some time frame there because the armor and John Favreau are on that circle planet. And now they're in the desert planet or whatever, you know, a whole different planet. So Yeah, and there's a whole lot of Mandalorians <laughs> that yes. we haven't seen for quite a while. And kids, know? yeah. So uh, I think that there is something there. I, like I say, there's got to be some time frame there. In my head, I don't feel like it's as much. I wouldn't, but then again, I wouldn't have said five years for the other thing either, but still. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem like five years because nobody really learns anything. <laughs> right. But, but they did say that in an interview that it's five years. That's interesting. Um, it's, you know, you noted John Favreau playing Paz Vizla. I think that's cool, obviously, because he was the voice for pre Vizla in the Clone Wars. But in the third season of this, he doesn't do the voice for him, it's a different guy. He, so he's, he, John Favreau does the voice for Paz Vizla in Mando season one, in like the two episodes he's in, and in Book of Boba Fett, but he doesn't do it in this one. Oh, that isn't him? I yeah. Thought, I thought for sure that was him. Well, I thought so too, but then I looked it up earlier today and it's, it's, um, what's the guy's name? That's interesting because I definitely thought that he was, you know, being a creator of everything. I, I thought for sure he was just making sure he was set. Yeah, well, their voice is very similar. Uh, Tate Fletcher is is Paz Vizsla in this season. Interesting. I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, like I say, I speak of other uh, podcasts. There's another one where they're uh, kind of in on things. And, um, yeah, they point out there, that uh, he's definitely trying to make sure he gets his job and, and <laughs> what they're going to do now that he's dead. Spoiler alert, we discussed it. Yeah. Is uh his son is finally gonna is gonna grow up real fast and get a deep voice just so that John Favreau <laughs> can can voice him and stay involved. That's what, funny. But uh So on other things from Book of Boba Fett, I will say that I did not like the N one Naboo Starfighter in Book of Boba Fett. I thought it was kinda lame. I was like, it's a nice callback because it, you know, is something from the pre- prequel trilogy. It's just right. like a little like I guess Easter egg technically, um, but I didn't I didn't I didn't like the way it looked. <laughs> like, but seeing him actually use it in this, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. You know, this is what a Mandalorian should be flying, not a weird cruiser. Well, see that I don't know because you know again I my my reference is Boba Fett, and you know if I'm thinking of a bounty hunter who's cruising around. You know, he's got to have cargo space. That is a good point. That is a good point. Um, so I, I wish that he'd go back to, uh, uh, you know, that sort of vehicle, personally. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it is, it does make for a, a, you know, pretty cool little ship. And it is interesting, though, that the, the but the Naboo fighter is the uh, reference to um, Phantom Menace. And uh, our main uh, droid that saves the day is, it's supposed to be, I believe it's supposed to be the droid that... Uh, gives gives himself up uh or or uh luke doesn't get him because he explodes <laughs> yeah yeah r5 which yeah. i've actually heard a story that this makes this means that r5 is a very heroic character because he knew he's what, what he's the, the, have we discussed this no but he, he's force sensitive <laughs> <laughs> but but r5 interestingly enough is in the Clone Wars, and he has a very important role. Um, there is, I, I important, not really, but there's a whole like story arc in one of the later seasons um, where it's like this weird little guy who's like this big, and he's he leads a squadron of droids, naturally led by R two D two, yes, um, to go like steal some Separatist battle plans, and he is a hero in that too. So R five has got a spirit. Which well, is weird that he's such a coward in this. You know, I think that what what I've heard is the the uh, head cannon that some people say is that he has he, he's force sensitive and he knew that Luke needed R two D two, so he sacrificed his own motivator sure. to, to explode so that Luke wouldn't take him and would take R two instead. Yeah, it was all part words. of yes, either that or maybe he knew that he had to go with three PO. But bottom line is R five is our hero, but. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's references abound in this. Of course, uh, of course, we get uh, Zeb. Yeah, like you mentioned that you get spoiled on that. I was kind of hoping he was going to be more. 
Yeah. But, you know, I understand. And, and you know, it makes sense that he's sitting there at a rebel camp or whatever. No, not rebe- rebel anymore, I guess. But uh, he is uh, hanging out there on the fringes or whatever, not necessarily part of the the new establishment, but still being part of things, I guess, that he helped build. You know, yeah. From rebels and stuff. So. It, yeah. It was a nice little fun Easter egg. And I always talk about, like, I'm always. I'm always excited when when any character that has been only in animation comes to live action. I think it's so cool. Well, and that was, we talked about season two. It was cool when uh, Katie Sackhoff comes on as Bo-Katan. It was right? awesome. <laughs> you know, being the voice of her. And then, of course, I know Katie Sackhoff because I watched all the uh, new uh, Battlestar Galactica remake, you know, and stuff. Um, so I knew her from that. And, of course, there's, you know, tons of pop culture references to her because of that. But... Um, so I was excited to see her come on and be the voice and then be the actual live action character, which is a pretty cool way of doing that, I thought. so. And I thought she did okay this season. I thought, you know, the the idea of her being who she is, um, you know, I thought was interesting. A little troubled, troubled character. I don't know. You know, I, th- I thought it was working out all right. So. Yeah, I was sort of hoping that they would play more on the fact that, like, she was the leader when the night of a thousand tears happened. I was sort of hoping they would they would play with that a little more. You know, they referenced it here and there, but I was hoping that like there was going to be a lot of animosity between all of the Mandalorians and her. Right. Because I mean, obviously as the legend goes, if you don't win the dark saber in combat, it you know, it brings, you know, a bad juju or whatever. And obviously in Rebels, Sabine gave her the dark saber. But then like barely anybody mentioned it. <laughs> well, but I mean, that's the point. She lost it because, and nobody had respect for her. She said, because she didn't win it in battle. Right. Yeah. But that being said, I feel the, um, the, the way that they decide that it's hers is some real uh, Harry Potter crap. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I thought that he too. did this. And because I, he just happened to knock me down and, accidentally dropped my my saber that <laughs> yeah. means he it was actually his for like three seconds you know yeah yeah so, yeah when draco disarmed dumbledore he yeah. had possession of That's, the elder one it's like okay yeah all right Word. whatever you gonna do to get to it i guess now i do have to say i don't mind the fact that it was destroyed you know yeah what I mean? it was weird i was it was weird that they didn't like put more emphasis on that though like it it was they showed that it was destroyed but then there was like no fallout from it and you know i can't take credit for for this at all but i was listening to a podcast uh, like i say another podcast and they said that you know a better way or or, you know everybody has their way of doing things right but maybe a a different way of getting rid of the dark saber is to uh you know when he has that line you know mandalorians are nothing without their trinkets Maybe at that point, Katie says, we don't need it. And she breaks it. She breaks it. Right. And just says, we don't need this. We are better together, you know, or something like that. Right. And that kind of thing. So you're right. It needed more drama. It needed what we needed was we needed little Grogu picking up the, uh, (laughs) the Kyber crystal. Cause you know, that's fine. (laughs) That would have been incredible because he's got to make it. Then he's little baby. He's got his little baby lightsaber (laughs) or dark saber. When he's as a as both a Mandalorian and a Jedi, yeah. So he's the next Mandalorian Jedi. So. Well, yeah, I'm I'm actually really surprised that they didn't pick up on that thread because obviously you know Tar Vizsla was a Jedi and he made it. I mean, it's it makes perfect sense. It's the you know the unification of those two cultures back in the day and then the reunification now. But no. I was expecting maybe like a little post credit scene where the the crystals where he's just, like he just kind of hold or... maybe he's little hold a little baby Grogu was holding. <laughs> of course, he would eat it, but that's beside yeah. the point. So. I will say on Grogu. Um, well, first let me say, uh, you know they they did the the whole Star Wars celebration um, where they didn't explicitly say, but they definitely hinted that there's going to be a Mandalorian movie. Um, I think Dave the exact words were like. It's the logical next step. Yeah. Um, if they do that, I am thoroughly uninterested in any story that involves Grogu until he can walk on his own and talk. Like, I, I like the hey. cuteness is gone for me. Like, it was fun for the first two seasons, but now it's like, 
All right. <laughs> you know what, though? This season, he got to say yes and no. He did, yes. A- as Taika Waititi. But... And that irritated me to <laughs> no end. I was oh. like, you're going to put him... In- He's going to walk around in a robot. That's how we're doing this? Yeah. You're going to tell me that it's been five years hey. and he can't even walk that well? All I know is I am shocked that... Uh... IG-88, the battle suit, didn't come out with four lightsaber arms like <laughs> Gre- like Grievous or something. That would Where was that incredible. scene? Oh, man. But yeah, I don't... Unless he can talk, I'm not interested. You know, I think by this point, the cuteness thing is way played out. I don't know. So, you know, we, we made a, a big deal in um, the uh, Tales of the Jedi animation with the Yaddle episode. Yeah. That that Yaddle doesn't speak the way that Yoda does, which right. means that Yoda's just being a jerk. And yeah, ha- to talk funny, he's just weird. But so I'm not sure if the normal crowd is going to go for a Grogu who speaks normal. You know what I mean? Because yeah. everybody thinks of Yoda and that way he talks, and it's such an iconic thing. But if you now the fact that we all know that Yaddle didn't speak like that, you know, is um, makes us wonder why Yoda did, but it also is, you know, okay, right? Right. Now we know the rules. Now we know that that's not how that race speaks. So if that's the case, then if Grogu comes out and he does talk like that because (laughs) it's the uh, majority way that people think that that race speaks, then that's going to be a problem. If he comes out and he speaks normal, and, uh, you know, the majority of the people are going to say, well, why doesn't he sound like Yoda, you know, and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I'm not sure on that one, whether that's there. Now, I I did hear, um, I think that the way to go with Grogu is that he, um, because he ages slow, right? Obviously slower than us, if we're, if we're going for reference there. I think maybe the, uh, the thing with him during this time frame, this timeline is that, He's just this pacifist little thing, you know, and I think that that's the way they're going to stick with it. I don't know if we're going to get to the point where all of a sudden he magically speaks. Yeah. Um, If I had to guess, uh, I think the next time that we're going to see him is going to be in the Daisy Ridley Star Wars movie because that's set 15 years after... Uh, Rise of Skywalker. I think he's going to be in that because that's about her rebuilding the Jedi Order. I think she's going to get to a point where she's like, hey, anybody who's Force sensitive, you know, come on over, bro. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, you're right. And that would be, that would be what, 15 years you said after? That's 15 years after the uh, movies, which was would be 20 years after where we're at in Mandalorian. Yeah, I I guess I don't, I don't know where Mandalorian takes. I know well, it, Mandal I know that season one they specifically said it was like five years after Return of the Jedi. Okay, and so, so okay, so season one's five years after Jedi, right? So if you're saying there's five years there, then they're probably ten years after Return of the Jedi. So Gro- Grogu, it would be like twenty five years until that movie takes place. Okay, because because uh, the new seasons were twenty years after Return of the Jedi. Is that what they're saying? I think so. I think that's right. I feel like that's right too. I feel like that's the way the timeline was supposed to work out. So so yeah, I mean Grogu's twenty five. He's a hundred and some years old at that point, right? Because they say he's fifty. Yeah. So he would be like. No, he'd be more like eighty something. Yeah. I would hope by then he could talk. <laughs> well, so or at least walk. let's look at it this way. If Yoda lived to be 900 and died of natural causes, we're talking, uh, you know, the lifespan. That's one ninth of his life or whatever. Yeah. Give or take or, or one tenth of his life. So one tenth of a human life is eight years old. So, yeah, he should be able to talk. Right. Yeah. Hopefully. That's- I just like. I was expecting, honestly, I was expecting him to say his first word in this season, especially when it was like, um, I think it was the episode. Well, at the end, he should have said, this is the way. Well, yeah. Well, because in the second episode of the season, when they were on Mandalore for the first time, maybe it's one of the episodes, it's pretty early on. um, No, it's in the second season because it's right after they get out of the living waters. Um, because Din is like, this is the way, and Bo-Katan says it too, and then Grogu like makes four like coo noises, and then they mm-hmm. look at him like, did he say well, this is the way? You know what I'm saying? So I thought he was going to say his first words at the end of the season, but then right. he didn't. You know, I was disappointed. <laughs> Should have stepped it up. Little, little dude needs to learn. 
Like, I just don't, at this, I think if you do it any more than this, like, I, I think I'm, like, I'm, I'm the outlier on saying in this season it's played out, you know, the cuteness factor. But I think if you do it any more, people are going to be like, when is this kid going to grow up? You I know? think that at this point, if he doesn't start talking, then he shouldn't talk at all. Right, he can take this pacifist mindset where he just kind of is the stalwart Jedi who just nods and right, you know, and stuff like that. But if he keeps doing the baby goo goos, <laughs> yes, then 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 we're I I'm agree, I'm gonna agree with you. You can't do that all the time, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's my opinion. I don't know. Now I've heard some people say that uh, he'll probably pop up in Ahsoka. Yeah, I wouldn't um, be surprised. You know, and that sort of thing, which that would be the Mandalorian timeline, I believe, unless they're really jumping forward on that. I don't think they are, but I yeah, I would I assume know. they're not because, you know, the main part here was, um, uh, well, um, Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. The main part was him not really wanting Thrawn around. Yeah. Right? He's trying to accelerate his stuff to get his dark trooper armor going because he's trying to out, He's, you know, he's trying to out evil. <laughs> yeah, he wants to be more than Thrawn. Yeah, yeah, he wants to be the leader of this new empire, not right. Well, because Thrawn is the heir to the empire, right? Yeah. Um. So on Moff Gideon, Gideon, that was his name. Yeah. I am, frankly, I, I'm not sold on him being the villain for this season. Okay. I feel like I, I loved, I love John Carlos Esposito. I love the character. Um. And it makes sense that he was the villain for this season, but the way, to me at least, the way that they added him in, it felt more like, we need a villain, let's just use this guy, right? Because it, it was, I mean, they they kind of led up to it, but it was just like, ah, yeah, he escaped. <laughs> and then he was only in the last two episodes. Right. Um, and then in those last two episodes... His, obviously, his speech to like the Shadow Council, which is a terrible name, um, that was cool. That was awesome. But then in the last episode, well, that's what Giancarlo gives us: his cool, awesome speeches. Yeah, he's I mean, so good. He's, he's, he was great monologues. <laughs> um, but then when we get to like, you know, they they talk about his work and stuff, and it's like a really cool moment. You're like, oh, what's he doing? But then you get to the final episode, and you realize his work is him making clones of himself and trying to give himself the force. And I, at that point, I was like, this is ridiculous, you know. And I, I mean, granted, that is sort of you know, it irritates me because in the first season, I. I, and I assume a lot of people, figured that when they were doing experiments on Grogu, it, it was for Palpatine. Right. You know, it, it was for him to come back in episode nine, which I still hate. Um, but then to just be like, no, it was Moff Gideon doing his own stuff. Because even in this, they were like, you were on Navarro doing your own research right which is where they had grogu right so yeah. grogu's midichlorians never would have been to the empire or to the emperor so it, I, I don't know it was just stupid yeah. to me and and with the way that it explodes at the end who knows what's going to happen with it too you know from that standpoint whether we are if there is that connection there i mean granted you got to think that the emperor uh the cloning of the emperor, he's already got all the force he needs. I right. guess if we're looking at it that way. So the fact that cloning is around because we had the clone troopers, isn't that big a thing, right? It's, it's a standard thing and that sort of thing. I, you know, yeah. Moth Gideon, uh, getting a little mustache twirly, <laughs> you know, evil villain at the end was a little over the top. Um, we had to give some kind of a, um, well, and the thing is, is he is the, he's the villain for both Din, Djarin, or, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Bo-Katan, yeah. right? And all the Mandalorians because, and they, they alluded to it a little bit, but you kind of get it confused, is they, uh, you know, his base is on, you know, Mandalore, right? right? So I think that he is a decent finishing touch now i'm not gonna i'm gonna say and maybe this is just because i've been um spoiled by tv too much 
I found myself waiting for uh, the armor or Axe Wolves, which is an ex- excellent name. Yeah. Either one of those to turn because they gave the, they gave the, um, you know, the clue that uh, Moff Gideon escaped and, oh, here's a piece of Beskar. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. So I'm sitting here thinking, which one of these people is going to turn, right? Because the armor has the uh, spikes on her helmet like the Death Watch, right? Which was, isn't that, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, um, Darth Maul's Mandalorians. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and she even points out in one, one of the episodes, Death Watch is no more. Well, okay. Are you sure? You know, sure sounds to me like you're still there, you know, yeah. or something like that. Well, and their organization is literally called Children of the Watch. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I see where you're saying. I see where you're going. So, I didn't, I, like I said, when she said, when she said, well, I'll take these people up. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, here's where she's doing the heel turn. And it, no, it didn't happen. Yeah. And then um, Axe, when he goes up, I'll go up there and get and warn him. Okay, here's where he's going to take over the ship and just hand it over to Gideon. No, that didn't happen. He yeah. fought and, you know, so I guess it's kind of refreshing in that way. But, and again, I think this might be more on me as I was waiting. I was spending all my time trying to figure that out just in the way that they, they uh, tried to hint around to it. And I don't know if I like that aspect as much. I'm, I'm not saying I wanted, I kind of liked the way it ended up that Mandalorians are all cool and sticking together. Right. But I don't know, just the fact that they gave us that little turn and it, it wasn't super obvious later on. I thought to myself, well, of course there was Beskar where they, uh, um, got Gideon out where they, where they rescued Gideon because that was his troopers wearing their Beskar armor. It wasn't even a Mandalorian thing. Right. Right. Um, but I don't know that little thing, that little bit right there just made it, um, I don't know. Just didn't quite fly, I guess. So. Yeah. Well, so what irritates me about that, like the Beskar, when they freed him, is that so his base was on Mandalore the entire time throughout the the whole series, because otherwise, you know, how would he have gotten the Beskar? And I feel like it would have been more interesting if he had gotten free, then set up base on Mandalore, and then got the Beskar armor and, and build, built all of his stuff or whatever. But I kind of wonder because it makes me think of um, Andor and how Andor's, Cassian Andor's planet is deemed, you know, unlivable because of some big thing. Right. right? And is that true now or is that a lie? Right. And, and I know we kind of thought about that on Andor. We, we kind of talked about that or that's something to think about. But then when you're looking at that, okay, so he's Gideon must be doing the same thing. He must have got the word out that it was poisonous or whatever, because that's what they, you know, when, whenever uh, Din talks about going there and stuff, he takes, he, that's why he gets R5 is to test the air or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't care anyways. When R5 <laughs> just disappears, he hops out anyways. But that's the point is that, um, you know, they find out that it's not necessarily a super toxic place. Or anything like that. So there's definitely something there as well where they're kind of using those same themes that we saw in, you know, Andor where you got a toxic planet, but who knows if it really is. Right. Yeah. It's toxic because the Empire bombed it and then told everybody it was toxic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, on, on not only was it not toxic, but there was able to grow like flora and fauna you right. know like there was there were farms um which i didn't i thought that was weird um but that's just because like i mean the planet the surface of the planet has been destroyed forever you know like since before like the clone wars uh it got de- like decimated in the mandalorian jedi war uh like thousands of years ago back during the old republic you know right <laughs> and so it's like well, they could have just had farms out here the entire time. No, they could only have farms underground, which I didn't see any grow lights, but it, it must be pretty magical, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, the indigenous plants yes. of the and, area. And they're, and they're green, even though they didn't get sun. I don't know about that one either. But. Yeah, that was weird. But, you know, this is an alien planet, so who knows what green means there. It's yeah. Not, it's not, maybe it's not chlorophyll or whatever. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, it's a completely different planet. I mean, the, right. to be fair, the whole surface is glass. <laughs> Uh, turned to glass by fusion rays or right. whatever. Um, 
I tell you what, you know, we're 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 bashing on this pretty good, but it, it still is it still was an excellent season of oh, television. For sure. And um the show is pretty cool, uh just in the way that it's doing all the things that it's doing. I mean, I've seen other people that have started uh watching the show who aren't necessarily Star Wars nuts. You know, it's just a thing, right? It's just a fun, entertaining thing. And I I now is this was this supposed to be the last season? I believe so. Yes, I believe so. This so. is the last season of Mandalorian, and then they're spinning it off into something else. Is that what I we discussed that a while back? Now, is what they're spinning it off into is the Ahsoka show, or I I really I have no idea. Because um, you know, for a while, well, so at the end, you know, Din Djarin becomes like a contracted ranger of the New Republic or whatever. Yeah. Um, originally, they were going to do that show, but I think the the lead of that was going to be Gina Carano, who okay, obviously yeah, isn't with Disney anymore. The Rangers or whatever. So. Yeah. So I don't well, know if they're still they're doing that. Maybe they're taking that idea and making it more a Pedro Pascal show then. Right. And uh, well, at which point, why wouldn't you just do Mando season five? You know, like I don't see there's, there's, I can't imagine there'd be that much of a difference unless Mando isn't the main character and he's just supporting. Right. Um, it's but more if, of a, uh, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. What's the, what's the word? They call those movies something like that. A, 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 a never mind. I lost it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I had thought that. Yeah. At one point we had talked about, but now I thought there was going to be another season of it. But it sure ended like this could be the bookend. Yeah. Right? Because yes, he's still doing some things, and yes, he's got a job, and yes, he's got a cool farm on yeah <laughs> or whatever, where he's just hanging out with Grogu and stuff. But uh, and you know carrying frogs around with sure. the force but uh um well even like the transition at the end to the credits seemed like a really like a book end end you know with like the um, right the looney tunes end. that's what i thought i thought i actually thought that we had another season this just seemed like such a final that i, th- I thought that maybe we were wrapping it up but but i have heard like you said that uh, the plan is that there is going to be a movie that is a combination of a lot of the characters. Now, maybe that is just interpreting like what you were saying is that it's them saying this is the logical thing to do, you know. Right. So maybe all these blog sites are just kind of interpreting that kind of thing. But I've heard the same thing, that eventually we're going to have a culmination of a movie that is all of these um, all these TV properties kind of put together. Yeah, you know and stuff. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean uh, that makes sense. I mean, Dave, just at the Star Wars celebration, they announced you know those three movies. Um, one of them is thousands of years ago, the Dawn of the Jedi or right. whatever. The other one is the Daisy Ridley one, um, and then the third one is directed by Dave Filoni, and that's set in the era of the High Republic. And when they were asking about that, that was the one where he was like, well, it's not necessarily a Mandalorian movie, you know, it's a New Republic movie, right. but a Mando movie is a logical next step. So maybe it is that, I mean, that would make sense for that to be like the culmination of, It's it's got to be, because Thrawn's got to be the big bad for that, because that's got to be the next threat, right? Yeah. I mean, if they go a whole season of Ahsoka and don't wrap up Thrawn, I mean, yes, you could. If you're planning on multiple seasons, I suppose you could do that, but I don't know. I'm curious about that too. I mean, I, I obviously it's going to depend on how Thrawn comes off. I, I I have read all those recent books, you know, and stuff. Now, way back in the day when I was a youngin, and when when they uh, came out, I I did read Heir to the Empire, but I don't remember it. I just recently got it on the uh, uh, one of the audio book um, applications, and I was going to listen to it, but I haven't got around to it yet. Uh, just to listen to the the old way that they did Thrawn. Of course, even though that that's legends now, um, but you know the new ones, the more recent ones are are pretty good books. I thought you know I thought they had a fun story. They had a lot of, uh, I mean they definitely. I mean they're all about Thrawn, you know. So it kind of really builds that character up. So I, I am curious to see if he's going to live up to that hype on a show in right. live action. You know? Yeah, I think so, at least just just I mean, just based off of like what we saw of him in Rebels, you know, granted animation, it is different and it's going to be a completely different story. But what we saw of him in that I was it was I mean, because I never read any of the novels. So him in Rebels was my introduction to Thrawn. Mm-hmm. And now I'm all set on Thrawn. You know, I think he's awesome. Yeah, um, so they're definitely the novels are definitely a good read. 
um, yeah. you know, and stuff. And uh, they they might fall into the realm of, okay, now we got Thrawn and Darth Vader. But, you know, it, it's interesting. So I, I, I would definitely, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend those um, as, as some pretty good books. So. Yeah, I have... Um... I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna start reading the first one. Uh, I I think I'm, I I started with the the first series of the first of the new series that Timothy Zahn wrote, not the Ascendancy. Um, okay. Just because it came out first, and I feel like maybe there's gonna be like some references in the second series that I don't necessarily want to know, or I just felt like it would make more sense to read it in the order that they came out. Um, just because that was the order that it was intended for for people to absorb them in, I suppose. But. Yeah, and having read them, I you know they do kind of jump around a little bit, but I I think it's worth it to read them in order. Yeah. Um, so back to the Mandalorian. <laughs> there was a few other things that I wanted to talk about. Um, one storyline that I really liked was this episode, the third one about the doctor on Coruscant. Okay. That was super interesting to me. Um, the whole amnesty program, uh, obviously reminiscent of Operation Paperclip in World War II, um, where they brought the, you know, like Werner von Braun to, over to NASA and stuff. Right. Um, but I thought that was super interesting, interesting to see it. But then I felt like it didn't really go anywhere. You it know. was a it was definitely a hard stop on the Mandalorian stuff. I remember yeah. I remember when that episode came out, I was like, this one it is interesting, like you say, but it wasn't landing for me from the fact that I wanted to watch Mandalorian. Now, in my head, and I don't know, and I'm not a showrunner, so I don't know what anything was ab- about, but I almost wonder if this episode could have been in Boba Fett. And the Mandalorian stuff could have put in been put in the Mandalorian season. You know what I mean? That makes sense. You could have started out a little bit with the Mandalorian going back and finding Grogu, and you know, going and doing his thing with the armor, you know, and that sort of thing. I don't know. I I feel like now, granted, part of that too was to get Grogu to show up in Boba Fett, but I don't think you needed Grogu in Boba Fett either. No, you know what I mean. Uh, so I think that um, I agree with you that I like this. I think that there could have been some sort of tie-in maybe to that criminal empire or something so that would have fit better in Book of Boba Fett because it is such a one-off thing. But of course it is, you know, and and then you use that to be your, uh, because the main part of that episode, of course, is the end is that's where they figure out that uh, uh, Gideon escaped, right? Right. That's when our our guy from uh, Kim's uh, Convenience finds out that uh, uh, he escaped. Um, but uh, anyways, the uh, so I feel like, I don't know, I think that that would have been a fun way to throw Boba Fett, uh, something in the book of Boba Fett that did relate to Mandalorian because it's all about, you know, at the end, it's all about Gideon. Mm-hmm. But um, having that in there, I think, yeah, it just didn't feel right in the season necessarily. So. Right. And I think... Part of that is, you know, because you watched it week to week and I binge watched it all yesterday. <laughs> so I, I didn't feel, um, just because I was binge watching it, I didn't really feel like the the hard stop. Um, but now that you say that, watching it week to week, that would definitely, you know, you're expecting to see The Mandalorian and you come back and all you see is this weird, like, inter-office romance. <laughs> yeah, and to me, and, and I don't know, I didn't look at Showtimes, um, but to me, that almost felt like the longest episode of the season, too. I could be wrong on that. Maybe it's just a feeling I had. Uh, but, you know, nowadays with streaming services and stuff, you don't get the shows that are all exactly the same length because you don't have to worry about commercials or time slots and that sort of thing. You know, we see that on Game of Thrones a lot where one episode will be a longer one, one will be a shorter one, that kind of thing. Uh, so I was kind of curious, I guess now that I'm looking at it, I, I don't know, but it sure felt to me like that one was one of the longer ones. Now I'm going to agree with you in that. I like that. That's an aspect of the story that we never see, you know, what happened to these Imperials that, what do they do? It's not like they all blew up on the Death Star, right? Right. Yeah. So you got to do something with these, uh, Imperials that want amnesty and that sort of thing. And it is interesting that, you know, maybe we had this doctor kind of leaning towards the uh, feeling better and going the good side of things, even though he's kind of entrapped into going the other way, 
you know, I feel like he's pressured into it. You know, there's the, there's always the things about, uh, you know, uh, uh, bombings or something like that, or, or, uh, things that the FBI get people for. Sometimes it feels like they're really pushing hard on it. Yeah. To me, he was going to be a good guy until he was pushed back into doing this other stuff. Right. You know, being manipulated. Into yeah, it exactly. Stuff. But like I said, I, I do like, I did like that idea, that storyline. I just don't think it fit. Yeah. Um, and I looked it up. It is the longest episode. Okay. <laughs> it is. It sure felt like it. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> and um, I will say that they did try to, I think at the end of the episode, I remember there is a few scenes of Mandalorian or something. There's yeah. something to connect him to other episodes or something. But. Well, I think if I remember correctly, it starts out with Mandalorian. Um, and then it also ends with the Mandalorian. But it's like, you know, two scenes each. Yeah. Because on the beginning, uh, in the beginning, it's when they bomb Bo-Katan's castle. And so they run away. Um, and, and at the end is when they show up at um, the convert or the covert. And, and um, tell them that they went in the waters. Yeah, they're redeemed. And that's when, you know, when Bo-Katan never takes her hel- helmet off again for, right. a little, for a little while. <laughs> at least two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, I agree. I thought it was interesting to see the. Um, I, I I actually I do like I like that character, the Doctor Pershing. I didn't like him, you know, in the first season or whatever because we never saw him. But right. seeing this aspect of him where he is like, yeah, I was trying to do the good, but then slowly as he gets entrapped by this uh, this other Imperial, it turns into like a self. It's it starts to seem a little bit more like it's a little bit selfish. Like he's like, yeah. I need to finish my research a little more than I'm doing this for the good or the good of the Republic. Right. Um, so I think that's really cool. But uh, yeah, like I said, the storyline of it is not terrible. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, it was certainly a little, and out I do of place. have to say, I, I can see where a uh, week to week was a thing because yeah, that episode's like, oh, okay, well, no Mandalorian really, <laughs> right? Or there wasn't much, at least, you know, yeah. stuff. Which, granted, I mean, we don't have to follow him day in day out, but it, it, like I say, it just felt awful one off. Yeah, I mean, the show is named after him. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! So the next episode that I specifically wanted to talk about was episode six, Guns for Hire. Um, oh, yeah. That's the one where we get the Jack Black and Lizzo episode. This was the worst episode. It was so stupid. It had Jack Black, it had Lizzo, and it had Doc Brown. Yeah, Chris. I mean, how Lloyd. can you go wrong? Oh, my. It was so weird. It was like, it was such a weird side quest. And I, I think the point of it was to, uh, was so that, let me rephrase that. I think the point of it was when, Lizzo and Jack Black are having their conversation with Bo-Katan and she's like, we'll recognize Mandalore as a sovereign system and we'll petition the New Republic to do the same. That was clearly the point of the side quest. Um, but they, they, it didn't land. Uh, it was overshadowed by the fact that it was Lizzo, Jack Black, and Christopher Lloyd. Right. Um, and there, it made zero sense. And it was a complete departure from literally everything. And I mean, I, I guess arguably part of the point of that too was that so that they could get the man, the other Mandalorians back. But I feel like you could have done that in a different way, and it would have been much more cohesive. Yes. and it wouldn't have turned me off. I do like the idea that there's still separatists around. I mean, we talk about how there's still Imperials around, and here's yeah. a guy who he's the old. He's the old crew. He doesn't care about Imperials anymore. He's talking about separatists. You know, he's talking <laughs> yeah. about pre everything and how Dooku was the man, you know, and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But uh so I did think that was I actually kinda like that aspect of things that here we've got somebody who's who's going all the way back, you know, um and doing that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean the point of it, yeah, you're right. The the reason they have to do it is because the other Mandalorians are there, but if the other Mandalorians are there being hired, why aren't they the ones fixing this uh, droid problem? Well, yeah, you know? yeah, and they ask that, and then Lizzo says, "Well, because there's no, we're not allowed to have a standing army in the city, and we're not allowed to bring weapons in the city." But then she says, "But then she's like, well, why'd you let us keep our weapons? Because your Mandalorians is part of your religion. Well, so are they. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it was just a, a weird." 
for me, this felt like a hard stop on, on the the actual Mandalorian storyline. I felt like, I mean, it it to me. So they, I feel like this episode with Jack Black goes trying to. It feels like it's trying to go back to season one, where season one was okay. Now we're doing this adventure, right? This episode is this adventure. This episode is a different adventure, right? That's what it felt like to me. They're trying to go back to that a little bit. But like you say, it didn't quite fit in with anything else. And yeah, Jack Black and Lizzo and Christopher Lloyd, you you lose everything, right? You you lose all that because all you're thinking about is those actors, not their characters or 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 anything like that. I mean, I I did hear one thing, one person say that uh, obviously this is the precursor to the the humans in Wally. because they you know they're relying on robots to do everything for them and and, you know they're getting bigger and bigger that's so funny yeah that's such a good point i hadn't (laughs) thought of that one (laughs) um there is something to be said though that this this um show or this season it felt like it took took on a lot more like deeper themes or than the other seasons did. I mean, obviously, yeah. talking about the the downfalls of of or maybe downfalls isn't the the correct word, but like the downsides of like the New Republic, um, uh, and obviously the downfalls of having a, a, the d- direct democracy here. Um, tr- you know, Orthodox religion religion versus the more uh, New Age religion for the Mandalorians. It right. is like an, an interesting. Um, like commentary on on various different aspects. It's definitely a more lore heavy season. Which, like I said, when I did hear that Filoni didn't do as much writing because he was concentrating on Ahsoka. Well, I feel in my head, I feel like the Jack Black episode um, is an indicator of that. It's like, okay, well, we need another episode, so let's put this bit in that some other writer is just going to come up with this storyline. Yeah, quick, right. Um, because, but you, you say, you know, when you bring up all the other stuff, I can, I still think that that has the Filoni touch to it where it feels like he's working with his storylines, mm-hmm. right? Everything work is working with his storylines. Now, I don't know. Again, we talk about Moff Gideon coming in with his clones and mustache twirling. Is that Filoni or is that, okay, now we need a bad guy. Let's bring him back, you know, right. and that sort of thing. So, yeah. And I mean, like that being said, you know, I still like, I, I would have liked Moff Gideon to be the villain um, if they had just done it a different way. Like yeah. the mustache, mustache twirling wasn't there for me. But I, I agree with you that I like him as the villain because it is the perfect like bookend to this Mandalorian story. I mean, obviously he was the villain for the first two, and those both his role in both of those seasons made perfect sense right. to me at least. Um, and then also, you know, he was the Imperial who was like in charge of the bombing of Mandalore. So it makes sense, you know, bad blood between Bo-Katan, everybody, you know, like, like we mentioned earlier. So yeah, it is just, it's a little awkward. They didn't quite handle it right, which I guess, yeah, I hadn't necessarily thought about it like that. I didn't know that he was mostly focused on Ahsoka, but if, if that's true, then I think that makes, that sort of explains that away a little bit. I do have to say though, when, you know, we get to the finale um, and it was fun. Right, I mean Mandalorian going through uh, having R five release those barriers that so was that he so could cool. take on a couple people at a time, you know, and and that kind of thing. So kind of a callback to uh, Phantom Menace with the barriers, but it, you know, it's the same kind of thing. And, and you know, when he's running in there, and I do have to say that I like the idea of uh, the way that those hand to hand combats go because it's not that he's winning every punch. You know, he's getting hit, he's getting knocked over and stuff, <laughs> yeah. but he's still reacting and, and working well. So I like that style. You know, I think that uh, that worked out pretty well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I, I think that, like, that just goes to show, like, one of the reasons that this show is so good. They always make the combat like that. I mean, it's yeah. like one of the reasons we talk about the Daredevil show combat being so good is it's because the hero gets messed up like every time i mean he's getting shot at literally every time there's any combat it's like he's not walking away unscathed right. and that that adds that level of like okay 
you know, uh, granted it's in space, but it's a little bit more realistic. Right. Well, and, you know, you got to think to yourself, there's two things going on with those helmets. Either there's not very much padding and they've got the CTE issues of NFL players, <laughs> yeah. you know, because they're getting hit with unpadded helmets or there's a ton of padding and, the, you know, and it stinks. I don't know. But, you know, it's kind of you think about that. And if there is all the padding that um, you would think that it would have, because obviously they've done all the medical stuff that the NFL has done. If that's the case, then punching them doesn't do anything, even yeah. though they react to being punched the same way as somebody gets rea- who reacts to being punched in the face. But like I say, I still think it uh, it works out. You know, it's good choreography the way that they did that, and uh, yeah, I think the action was was shot pretty good. Yeah, um, I have one final criticism, which I'm not even going to attribute to this show because I didn't attribute to the first two seasons, so it's not fair to attribute it to this. Um, but I feel as though Disney has lost the plot when it comes to Order 66. The point of it is that, like, Yoda and Obi-Wan are the only Jedis alive. <laughs> you know, everybody else is, is gets murked. Um, and now, every single property, we're getting another Jedi. And to be fair, you know, it's. It, I also haven't levied this criticism against Star Wars uh Jedi Fallen Order and I love that game. So it's not really fair, but at 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 some point, like there's a lot of Jedi running around the galaxy. You know, it sort of feels like Order 66 doesn't necessarily have the same impact that it once did watching Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. I mean Order 66 took down the Jedi Order. It didn't kill all the Jedi's because we have got a, a you know in a if you think about it, you know and we got to get high to think about it, but an <laughs> infinite number of universes with an infinite number of people living on them, of course there's still going to be Jedi around. You say but. that, but all the Jedi we have, barring Ahsoka, were directly related to the Jedi Order. Ahsoka is the only one, uh, which even her, she was still... I, actually, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna criticize that because that was awesome, um, and they even you know justified that and explained it away in Tales of the Jedi. But everybody else, like. Grogu, Cal Kestis, um, the guy from Rebels, um, Kanan Jarrus. Right. I mean, he's awesome too. But it's you mean, like you mean too many of them escaped. Yeah, and I like I I even like all these characters that I just mentioned. I love them all. They're so cool. Um, but it's just like at a certain point, I wonder too many. though. So I mean, we you know we saw it in the Obi Wan show where they talked about the underground. The you know the Jedi underground, I still think that that is a thing that that um, could be played out a little bit more. In that, where were they? Obviously, they were still hiding out or something. I don't know, but when it comes down to it, I mean, and and you got to again, are we talking biological forces here with the midichlorians or or however you want to say the or if you want to say the forces surrounds us, it surrounds us, right? right. If you got to think of, uh, you know, the scientific principle of some sort of osmosis, where if there is a, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. So if there are no Jedi around, then do the midichlorians just kind of, I'm going to absorb into a few more people to make more Jedis. Yeah. So, you know. There's, yeah, I guess. <laughs> there's a lot more logic to that than, than maybe there is to it. I mean, life finds a way, to quote uh, Ian Malcolm. Life uh, finds a way. <laughs> yeah. Man, that was, I gotta watch that those movies again. Well, yeah, um, that's a great series. There was something else that I thought was fun that I was gonna say. Oh, the episode when they're on Coruscant. Oh, I do have two more things to say. Um, the episode when they're on Coruscant, the festival that's going on, Bendu Day. Um, Bendu was that guy. Was a guy in uh, Rebels. He was a um a, a massive like uh, force being basically who kind of crunched Thrawn. Okay. <laughs> um. And then ultimately, like Thrawn shot him out of the sky, but then he disappeared. I okay, just thought it was. I a remember fun... that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a big guy. He was like, "I am the Bendu." <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, you know, that's a sort of concept that would be throughout the galaxy. I just thought it was a fun Easter egg. Well, and that is, so again, that's kind of interesting because you got Bendu Day, but yet uh, when we get to Force Awakens, there's a question of whether the Force is real or whatever. So, but, yeah. you know, that's that's the issue with those movies. So we'll, yeah. we'll move away from that. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my final thing, which is not, I mean, it's just like a weird, like when they're on Navarro, um, 
I don't even, this might have been the second season, it might have been this season, I don't remember. But there's a, a point where, like, the teacher droid is talking about how Shandrilla is the capital of Coruscant, or the capital of the New Republic. But then, you know, anytime anybody talks about the New Republic, they talk about Coruscant still. I mean, the episode with the guy there on Coruscant, when the, um, the New Republic, uh, X-Wing homie, when he needs help, he goes to Coruscant. You know, he when he's requisitioning assistance from up top, he's going to Coruscant. He's not going to the capital, so it's like, well, what? This is weird. Well, but is that uh, okay? We think of the United States. DC's the capital of the United States, but you know, New York's the biggest city in uh, the United States. So well, is yeah, it but that it, kind of thing. Yeah, but if you're requisitioning the military, you don't go to New York. You go to DC. No, you go to Houston. No, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. It was just weird that they would point out that Chandrilla is the capital, but then only talk about Coruscant. I mean, I yeah. get that. I get why they talk about Coruscant because that's the the city, they're the planet that people associate and with their government. Yeah, that's but, the reference to and everything like that. You know, you yeah. know, that's that's yeah. But it's like, why would you even mention Chandrilla? <laughs> you know, like if we're gonna, I'm cool with Coruscant being the capital. I mean, they even destroy Coruscant in um, Force Awakens. They destroy the whole planet. Oh, that the was first... Coruscant they blew? I thought yeah. that was another side, a different planet where the uh, Senate was. Oh, I thought it was Coruscant. I've, I'll have to rewatch those. I don't but think I that's thought... Coruscant. I think that would have been a bigger deal if it was a, that big a planet. Well, because I, I feel be like, wrong. I felt like they, that was like, they, they wiped out the whole government. I mean, I don't that... think the Force Awakens cares what planet yeah, they, no. they blew up. <laughs> No. I do remember that there well, was a series of books and they were talking about, I think the senators of the new Republic were on this other planet. I believe I, I don't think that that was Coruscant. I could be wrong on that. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm rewatching the sequel trilogy now since I finished Mandalorian. So I'll let you, I'll well, let you, you know what w- either way. Um, do you have any final thoughts? No, I mean, like I said, this is definitely some good television. I, so you're saying it's it's one of the best five television shows or whatever. I I'm not going to put it at that. I'm going to say that this is great, entertaining television, and I love watching. I'm going to keep watching it. Uh, season four, I'll watch Ahsoka. I watch Obi Wan. All that stuff. Um, I I'm not going to call. I personally am not going to call Mandalorian prestige television. I think of Breaking Bad. I think of those yeah, for as sure. different shows than what this is. But this is a very entertaining show. It's one of my favorite shows. I'm not saying that. Um, but it is definitely a, uh, it's a great Star Wars show. It's a great vehicle for more Star Wars stuff, which I love. Uh, Star Wars references and all that stuff. Um, so that makes it my jam. But I think that when we talk about uh, uh, this show, I'm going to say, like I say, Andor's top and then this when it comes to Star Wars stuff, right? Right now, I, I even like this. I you know I, I think I'd like this better than the sequel, the most recent sequel movies and the prequel movies and that sort of thing for Star Wars tele- storytelling. Obviously, at Nostalgia, I'm, I'm always stuck on the original three, but... Um, as far as Star Wars telling storytelling goes behind Andor is, is this one, you know, um, as far as television shows, I would, I would even, if we're going to take, uh, and now I have to think, cause I just thought of this off the top of my head, but if we're going to compare this to other contemporary shows, like the Marvel shows, right. If we're going to compare this to those shows, I think I like this better than those shows. You know, um, I liked uh, Falcon winter soldier, but this is better than that. You know, um, WandaVision was a different kind of thing, so it's tough to compare them. But, you know, if we're, if we're looking at where, you know, Disney Plus and all that stuff is and where television is at right now, if we're talking about pop culture, nerdy, geeky stuff, I think this is the top of the, the heap, right? You know, so I, I, I'm on board with this show for sure. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I don't watch much TV, frankly, so saying it's one of the my, you know, one of the five well, best I've, shows. Like I say, I'm not going to fault you for saying that. I'm not going to disagree with you. It is still one of my favorite shows. But when yeah, when we think about um, shows of all time, you know, or prestige shows, I, th- that's what I'm saying. This is a great entertainment show. I'm not going to call it a prestige television. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to call it the some of the most entertaining television there is, 
but it isn't a prestige show like some of these other shows are. And it's, it's just a, and I'm not saying that one's better than the other. I'm saying it's just a different thing than what we're seeing. And you know, if I, like we, when we talked about Andor, Andor was what I would call prestige television. This Mandalorian is what I call great entertainment. You know, I, I, I enjoy it. I love it. I'm, I'm watching it every week and I, and I'm going to keep on watching it. I'll probably rewatch the series, you know, many times, you know, and before I, I stop watching things because I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got a little dark there, but yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly a different style of storytelling. You know, yeah. it doesn't lean so heavily on, on the, the story aspect. This one certainly comparing it to the other shows you mentioned breaking bad and or it certainly leans more heavily on the the action entertainment combat mm-hmm. aspect um i yeah i think like i said i i love the show um the third season uh is the worst out of the three but still good you know worst is very you know yeah. subjective here um it was just it was a little bit awkward in some places um especially i forgot to mention this but then like the first two episodes they were like trying to have mando make jokes i was like why is he making jokes like that's not who he is that's not what he's supposed to be doing here (laughs) like this is weird well he was trying to figure out how to be a new dad (laughs) maybe that's what it was yeah but um no i loved it like i said the story it's incredible i like i mentioned i mean i'm biased because you know, the Clone Wars is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Right. Um, and that is, you know, the just watching the evolution of this story through so many different IPs and years. I mean, Clone Wars, Rebels, this. Uh, it's just, it's it's so awesome, <laughs> you know. Um, and I am, I'm curious to see what they have Din Djarin do. Because if they're going to do more stuff with him or if they're just going to let him ride off into the sunset... T- frankly, I think he should just ride off into the sunset. I think he's he's had his n- trilogy. He's had his story. I think I'm cool with him just leaving. But well, yeah, I think that maybe this is, and and we talked about it, and then that's why I thought that maybe this was the final season. Even though I'm pretty sure, the more I think about it, I thought we talked about they're they're doing four seasons and then quitting. I actually think that this is a good ending for him. If he comes back up because it's well, I know a guy. You know, in the same way that Ant Man shows up in Civil War, right. right? That kind of thing. You know, that's cool. That'll be a great reference. It'll be exciting for us that love this show. I think the way they end it was actually pretty good because we know he's in a good place. He's working with the rebellion, or you know, the New Republic that we love because they're the good guys. You know, he's uh, made friends with everyone. He even rebuilt IG eighty <laughs> eight. He likes droids. <laughs> That's right. And he's got uh, all kinds of droid friends, and he's just hanging out with his new little kid. You know. Yeah. I think that. Um, I think that this is a good bookend for that character. I, personally, I think it's a good way to to finish it off because he still get he's still doing what he wants, so they could still make TV sh- episodes about him. But I do think that yeah, if if they if they are to end it now and say this is it, except for when he makes cameos and other ep- series, then I'm good with that. You know, I think this is a good way to end it. Yeah, certainly a nice little storybook bookend for him. Hopefully, he can be happy with Grogu, um, and and eventually Grogu will be able to talk. <laughs> um, that really irritated me. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> Um, but yes, with that, uh, that's that's more than enough. Um, so I suppose we'll catch you next week. Sounds good.